Hello, and welcome to the third episode of Hustle and Thrive, a podcast by Working Culture, co-hosted by Yami John and myself, Lisa Fiorelli. On today's episode, we're really excited to bring you a conversation on filmmaking as an outlet for expression, as well as an outlet for activism with Victoria Anderson Gardner. And first, more about our guest. Victoria Anderson Gardner is a fifth-year Ryerson Film Studies student, actor, and freelance filmmaker who co-founded Boontime Productions. Victoria is also the vice president of marketing with the Ryerson Students' Union. Their thesis film, The Hurt That Binds Us, is a short documentary that takes an intimate look into their family's journey to come to terms with intergenerational trauma. This film has racked up an impressive number of awards, including Best Documentary and Best Woman in Film, Ryerson University Film Festival, and the Art with Impact Award in the short documentary category at the Voices with Impact Film Festival back in June 2019. They were also the recipient of the 2019 Imaginative Charles Street Video Post-Production Development Grant for their short documentary entitled Water is Life, Protect It, Defend It. In case that wasn't enough, they have also worked as a production assistant on various films, including the film adaptation of the book An Inconvenient Indian by Thomas King. Victoria is also a juror on the Art with Impact Board, which uses film and theater to create spaces where young people and community can explore mental wellness through the arts. Victoria is also an ambassador for the company Inspire, which is a national indigenous registered charity that invests in the education of First Nations, Inuit, and Métis people for the long-term benefit of these individuals, their families, and communities in Canada. We hope you liked today's episode, and if you do, please be sure to download on all of your favorite platforms and leave us a review. Thank you, and enjoy. Okay, so thank you, Victoria, for joining us. Uh, we're really excited to get to talk to you today and about your work. Um, I mean, y- your work is super, super interesting, and I looked it up, uh, but I love it if you can tell our listeners a little bit about yourself in case they haven't had the opportunity to check out a lot of your awesome work yet. Okay, uh, so if you didn't know, my name is Victoria Anderson Gardner. Uh, kind of my most, you want me to tell you more about like my most recent work or just in general what I do? Wherever you think is best to start. All right, so... I guess just a little bit about myself. I am a queer indigenous filmmaker. I mainly focus on documentaries. Um, I currently am in my fifth year at Ryerson for film studies. uh, And I'm also the vice president of marketing for the Ryerson Students Union. Uh, But mainly my focus and my passion is for filmmaking. Uh, A lot of the work that I focus on tends to be more activists involved in terms of like the topics of what I'm talking about and also just kind of providing a platform for indigenous stories to be told. Yeah, that's kind of the main stuff about myself right now. Um, I guess if you just want more of a background of where I'm from and like where I've come a little bit, um, I am originally from this northern reserve called Eagle Lake First Nation. And I moved to Toronto when I was 17 uh, to go to school. And then I kind of just kind of was seeing what I wanted to dive into in terms of my work, in terms of filmmaking, and kind of just throughout my years here in Toronto and throughout like the film program, I discovered kind of my, I guess my niche for the work that I wanted to do. So you've talked about the fact that you channel your filmmaking with activism. So can you share why you combine the two together and why it's important? Oh, in all honesty, like originally, I didn't know exactly what I wanted to focus my documentaries on. It's kind of just more, I think, as I got older and I started to kind of learn about myself and then just like more about like the Indigenous community and just understanding myself and kind of just why things are the way they are for Indigenous people uh, in Canada. Um, I started to realize that there wasn't like a lot of representation 
um, when I first started like filmmaking in terms of like documentaries and film uh, for indigenous people. And I also just realized that I could have this like really powerful platform through filmmaking uh, in order to just have stories told because just the way like media is going, it seems films are something that a lot of people watch and tune into. And just from my own personal experience, I realized that film can have like a huge impact on people just because for myself, um, going into filmmaking, I always thought of the fact that if I can help or change one person's perspective through one of my films, then I've done what I've wanted to do because films did that for me growing up. Um, they really just helped me change my perspective on certain things. And I just wanted to be able to do that for other people. And I just realized just, um, if I kind of combine like these bigger movements, uh, or just like bigger topics that I can really just help educate a lot more people. And I just kind of want to continue doing that with my films in the future. Yeah, that sounds good. I have a question about that. Our last guest um, on this podcast was um, Anthony Oliveira. I don't know if you're familiar with his work, but um, he does a lot of writing and is really active in sort of queer spaces. And we had a really interesting conversation about, you know, wanting to, in his case, like write work that reflects like his experience as a queer person, but also like the counter to that. Um, and, and I identify with, with this as a queer person as well, but like, sort of the weight of that responsibility sometimes. And then that was how it's hard work and how people will sometimes, you know, misinterpret your specific experience as the experience of every person under that umbrella yeah. and it's sort of navigating that pressure. And do you ever experience something similar and how do you sort of navigate that, especially as someone who's marrying activism into this? Like there's, you know, there's a balance there and I'm curious and as to how you handle that. Yeah, I've definitely felt that myself in terms of, I feel like a lot of people, assume that my experience is like the generalization of like everyone's experience. And there is a lot of pressure in that because you feel like you have to be like the voice for all these people. But I think as long as like you express that this is like my own personal experience and there have been other people who have had similar experiences, mm -hmm. but I don't represent like the entire community yeah. and that just understanding this is one perspective into it. And it may help to understand like certain levels of things, but it won't, it's not going to be everyone's experience. And I think it's just like openly communicating that just so people understand. And that's kind of how I've handled it because mm -hmm. I've had to learn over like the years though, how to do that. And it kind of just takes time for you to be able to vocalize it properly. Um, mm -hmm. But definitely just like starting to practice it more helps just to, just to say it, to just say this is my own personal experience. And sort of why do you think film is the, like, why is film your medium of choice when it comes to that? Uh, I think it's more, for, okay, well, for me personally, I'll say, as I'm saying right now, for me personally, this is my own experience. <laughs> um, I, <laughs> I got into film um, kind of just through, I guess, family would be, the proper way to say it um I had a sister who passed away when I was 10 and I had like a really hard time afterwards she was like the closest person to me kind of like I guess my best friend growing up but after mm -hmm. she died I had a really hard time adjusting and um I had this cousin of mine uh who 
he was also very close with my sister and so we kind of became very close after she passed away which was nice for both of us um but he was super into films and mm -hmm. that's kind of he would just show me films all the time like afterwards it's kind of how we bonded we just watched films together and he showed me this one film called another earth and just the basic overview of it is that it's like this concept, it's like a sci-fi film where there's another Earth that enters our solar system and it's a, an exact duplicate of our Earth. But when the two Earths see each other, they like their timeline split. So up until that moment, everything was the exact same on both Earths. And it's just kind of exploring the different paths that you can take. And I think at that point in time in my life, I was in like a very bad place. Um, and it just made me realize that I can like change my path if I wanted to. And just the fact that that film had that impact on me, like one film could do that. I was like, I can do this for other people. And then I just like started to get more into story make, like I guess storytelling and just realizing that you can explore so much within films. Like there's so many different topics and like genres you can touch upon. And I just really liked the aspect that you can tell so many different stories. Like it could be narrative, it could be fiction. Um, well, I guess those are the same thing. It could be narrative, it could be nonfiction. Um, and I just really like the kind of the variety of things you can do with it. Yeah. So um, I like the idea that film was great for family bonding for you. And then that's, that's so, um, just thinking about the recent documentary that you created, The Heart That Binds Us, um, can you share what was the inspiration and the intention of telling that story? Yeah, for sure. Um, so just to give an overview of like The Heart That Binds Us, it's like a short documentary that explores uh, intergenerational trauma within my own family and just exploring through like three generations. So like my grandparents who actually went to residential school, my parents uh, who were like affected by the fact that all their parents went to residential school and then they went to like day schools and then exploring my siblings aspects in terms of what they've experienced growing up. Um, honestly, my first like, um, What's the word I'm looking for? My first thought going forward with this film was actually me exploring um, my sister's death. Um, but as I was up in the north talking to my family and just kind of exploring our family's history, I realized there was like a lot more to her death that I couldn't tell within such a short film. And I also realized that a lot of every of like what we all related to was just this inherent trauma due to the Indian residential schools. Mm -hmm. And it was a lot of just me wanting to understand myself and my family and why things were the way they were. And me just wanting to like kind of create this open communication between me and my family members. Um, but then I also realized that talking to like just other indigenous friends of mine that we've all had similar experiences growing up and that there must have been some stem that kind of made all of our experiences have like similarities to each other. And it, like whenever I'd ask my friends, like if their grandparents or like family members went to residential school, they'd say yes. And I was like, huh, mm -hmm. maybe that's like a relating factor between all of us. And so um, I wanted to just kind of tell this story on behalf of like my family and just our own personal experience with how it affected 
us, but then maybe it would also help other families like realize their own, I guess, I don't want to say realize their own traumas, but just realize that like they're not alone in like whatever their family's also going through. And that's kind of my main, my main intention of telling that story is like hopefully just creating this, this story that other families can relate to just because not, I feel like there's not many stories that are told such as mine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, so just quickly going back to what you said earlier, talking about helping change other people's perspective of certain things. So while you're also using this opportunity to share about your family and the history of residential schools and the effects, I also see it as an opportunity to tell a story to Canadians so that they can learn about where they are and why they're in in this space and how they can respect um, being in Canada as settlers. So it's just a dual, it does a dual thing of helping to tell your family story and also to give opportunities for people to learn about um, the Canadian story. Yeah, actually, that's another good point. Um, That was also part of uh, my reason for making it is almost like providing a window into like the indigenous experience uh, within Canada specifically. Mm -hmm. Um, And maybe not like all of Canada, but at least like a lot of people could relate to it um, in terms of the indigenous community, but just almost providing like an understanding between the indigenous community and non-indigenous community. And just so non-indigenous people can understand on like a deeper, even like emotional level of like what we feel in terms of what we've experienced of like the history of Canada and just like moving forward, kind of like what like the indigenous community can continue to do. And then like, just the fact that we all just have to like learn and grow together, like kind Mm -hmm. of acknowledge the history of what's happened and Mm -hmm. then just Kind of keep educating yourself about it and moving forward how we can kind of grow together. First of all, congratulations on the documentary. So it won a 2019 Congrats. award, right? For the best doc at Ryerson? Yeah, yeah, it did. How, and it screened in LA, I believe, at the Voices with Impact Festival, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I won like the, uh, one of their short film competitions. That's awesome. How was that experience? Um I mean, you're still a student filmmaker, right? So it must be pretty cool to get to like yeah. already have this sort of level of success. Like, how do you, how is it? How, how does it feel? How does it feel? Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, I kind of just, I'm taking everything as it comes. I'm trying like not to get a, like a big head or like ego about it. It's more just, I'm accepting everything as it happens and just like taking any learning experiences I can just because I realize I am still like a student filmmaker and mm-hmm. Like, I still have a lot to learn, but I don't... And, like, I realize I actually have learned a lot, and I think I'm, like, at this other level where I could teach other people, but I also realize that I'm still super young, and there's still so much I have to learn. And so just every experience I get, I just take what I can and then just kind of keep growing from there. Um, The experience for L.A., though, was honestly one of the most bigger things that I've done so far, I think, in my film career. Yeah, I bet. (laughs) um so kind of like how that worked is that i actually got a grant through that company art with impact to help Mm -hmm. make this film um 
And so what happened is I had to make like two different versions of the documentary. I had to make like my, I had like my long version, which was like 17 minutes long, but Mm -hmm. then I had to make a five minute version for the company because um, right now it's on tour across North America. um, Oh, that's cool. Where they're showing it at all like universities and colleges across North America, uh, just as part of their like mental health workshops, just to provide like an insight on indigenous mental health. Um, and so that's why like they flew me down there is is like a part of they have like a collection of films um, that they were showing at this one festival and it all kind of has to do with like mental health within indigenous communities but also um, mental health for people who've like experienced like sexual violence um, mm. and so they asked me to like speak at the festival and kind of just talk about my experience with the film and like why I made it and it was just super cool because they like flew me down there and I like brought uh, my cinematographer with me too. And it was just honestly a super, super amazing experience. And I met a lot of good people, made a lot of like networking uh, contacts and it was just really good. It was a really good experience. Yeah. I did want to circle back on something you said earlier um, that, you know, you've gone through this and you've done this work and you've gotten grants um, from Arts with Impact and you've gotten a bursary from Inspire. And that you feel ready that, you know, you have some information you think you could teach people in a similar position. Can you talk a little bit about how you navigate or like what you've learned through the process of navigating grant making or getting support or like building a team around a film? Because I think grant making is probably the thing we get the most questions about. Like it's complicated to get money from Toronto Arts Council, Ontario Arts. Like it's hard. It's hard work to submit grants. It's a lot of reporting. Like, and it's not, you know, when you're creative, it's not necessarily, you know, what you want to be doing, but you do end up spending a lot of time doing it to be able to sort of um, do that creative side of the work that you enjoy. So I'm curious about how you navigated that, what you think you would, what would you share with your past self on that to make that a little bit easier? (laughs) Oh, <laughs> yeah. Honestly, yeah. I can share a lot with my past self. Um, <laughs> I think it's definitely like a huge thing is like do your research. Like just take the time. It's it is tedious sometimes, but it's honestly worth it in the end because it saves so much stress on terms yeah. of just like financially. Because doing this type of like being in the film industry, it costs money. It costs a lot of money, <laughs> and just it helps for like the financial burdens that you'll feel because. Just by putting in the effort to do your proper research and take the time to actually make a very, like, detailed and, like, extensive, um, I guess, like, list and overview of your project, it'll help you in the long run. Because if you get the grant that, like, you're applying for, it's going to save you less of money. But it's also if you have your plan set out already for what you're going to do for the project, it just saves you a lot of stress when you're actually going forward and making the project because you already have all these details like planned out and you don't have to think about them in the moment. Because I think when I first started filmmaking, I wouldn't think like as extensively in terms of like what these grants want you to think about. Mm -hmm. And it really helps you when you're like going forward because it's like, oh, I already have this. I have all these details already like planned and like I've already done all the proper research towards what I need to do this project where when you're like in the moment doing everything, it just makes everything go so much smoother. And the hurt that binds us was actually, I think one of like the smoothest projects in terms of like the like pre-production production and post-production just cause I thought of every detail of everything 
beforehand and like I made my budgets. I like did like a whole like day by day schedule. I like sat down with my team and like I discussed every detail with everyone. Like I would have weekly meetings with everyone. And I just made sure that everyone knew what was happening all the time. And then if any hiccups came up, like I would just like accept them in the moment and I would just like keep moving forward. And it just honestly all helps in the long run. Um, and I had a thought with all of this. <laughs> in terms of like grants and like grant writing, um, definitely just like take time to plan out your project like it just it'll as i said it'll just help in the long run yeah for sure okay um so you talked about being organized working with your team i feel like um there are some people especially post-secondary students they may not know that they can use their education to channel their activism um so do you have any insights? Like you've already provided a lot of insights of what you do to just manage all your work, but do you have any insights to encourage other students to use this, this kind of opportunity, like their education to tell their stories and possibly start a career like you've done? Yeah, I think one of like the huge things for me is that like the fact that you can still say that you're a student when you're like making these different projects helps because people realize that you are still learning and that you will make mistakes. Like it's just inevitable. You're going to make mistakes, but you're going to learn from them. And it's just not being so hard on yourself for if you do make these mistakes, because you are a student. That's why you're making these projects within like your time in school is because you're still learning. Um, and it's just like, it also just gives you that experience for when you're not in school anymore. Um, and like you can look back on different things and reflect on them and just see what you can improve upon because I've definitely throughout like my past like five years now, I've definitely seen such an improvement in myself. <laughs> and it's nice to just like be able to look back and like have all these different smaller projects to look back on to see like how you've grown as a filmmaker even. And I think just, yeah, just realizing you're a student and that you're just going to continue to learn. Like, I think the, the filmmaking process is just, like, forever evolving. That's kind of my thoughts on that. <laughs> I have one more question. I don't know if Yomi has more. But um, burnout is, like, a massive issue, right? It's an issue for people working in the arts generally. Uh, how do you like, – you're involved in student government. <laughs> you're still a student, so yeah. you, like, have classes and things. And also, yeah. you have this career that, like, people are flying you out to L.A. Like, how do you manage this? And, like, what are some, like – I don't know, self-care routines. Like, how do you manage the stress of this? Because I can't imagine dealing with, like, two of those things, let alone all three of them. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's a good question. <laughs> yeah, no, so, yeah, burnout is a huge issue. Um, it has happened to me a few times, I will not lie, but I've definitely learned different ways to manage it. Um, honestly, sleeping when you can <laughs> it's yeah, a huge thing important. like honestly basic care things are such like you they seem so simple and like you seem like you wouldn't like forget to do them but you really do um mm -hmm. but just like prioritizing like what's important for yourself to make sure that like you're okay i think it's definitely like you take days out of the week for yourself like take time for yourself to just like be with yourself <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah. also just like trying to still have a social life it can be difficult I definitely have a hard time but schedules 
schedules are a huge thing. Uh, Google Calendar is like my best friend because <laughs> having just like a schedule with like everything, like my meetings and different things like that definitely helps because it's like I tend to forget things a lot because of how much yeah. I have going on. Lists. <laughs> Lists are honestly such like a huge thing. Also, honestly, meal prep is has been like a huge thing for me before, which has helped. It's just like actually planning things like say on like a Sunday night, um, just making sure that you're eating properly. Breakfast. Breakfast is a huge thing. <laughs> Yeah, like it's such like small things but like if you forget to do them after a while it's like you once you start doing it again you're like wow i should have been doing this the whole time yeah yeah meal prep has absolutely changed my life (laughs) just like having even if it happens to be the same thing for two days just like having it already in the fridge and i don't actually have to think about it beyond sunday night is like yeah it's changed my whole life (laughs) (laughs) no that's exactly like actually i used to do this thing i don't know if you've heard of hello fresh um, yeah, it's like, the, yeah. like kind of like pre, almost like prepackaged meals, but it's like, you still prepare yourself. Those honestly yeah. saved me for like a solid, like four months when I was like in the post-production for, uh, the hurt that binds us. Um, yeah. my sister gave me like a gift card for Christmas for like, I think like $250 worth for those boxes. And like, I was, I wasn't much of a cook before then. And it just like really, it like helped me to actually just like cook these meals because it's like I get these boxes, I don't want to waste food. I was just gonna ask, what's next for you? Like, what are some projects you have in the hopper yeah, that you'd like next? to tell people about? Uh, actually, uh, one of my most recent films premiered at Imaginative. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It's called uh, Minowichoni Mitakia Lo. In an English, it means water is life, protect it, defend it. Mm-hmm. Um, it premiered at the Tiff Bell Lightbox uh, back in October, which was like a huge, that was honestly one of like my bigger things besides like my trip to LA is like actually having one of my films play at Tiff, which I was like, yeah. wow, this is amazing. <laughs> yeah. um, but I got, I actually got a grant through uh, Imaginative and Netflix for that film for like the post-production development of it. And honestly, just like going back to just like having a team, it was like because of the producers on my team who like did the work and the research to look for different grants that could like help us with different costs that they, we had like all like the pre-production work done for it, that it was like really easy to apply for the grants because we already had all the information that they needed. And they gave us like a $5,000 grant to just actually finish all the post-production for it. But right now we're kind of just in like the distribution phases for that. Um, And then we're also in the distribution phases for my, for the hurt that binds us as well. Um, So we're kind of just, I've been speaking at like different schools and different events uh, with both of these films, Uh, just going to speak on like different panels and whatnot. Yeah. I'm kind of just like, I actually plan on going home for this semester. I'm taking this semester off to just go recharge for a little while. Yeah. That's um, just cause I've been going for a long time <laughs> 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 and I just like realized I need to just take that time for myself and just like realizing that it's okay to take time off for yourself if you really feel like you need to, because you need to recharge sometimes and your mental health and your physical health are all more important than trying to like get that degree within like a certain time frame and different things like that. So mm-hmm. going back home, I'm going to be like kind of writing more, getting back into everything so that like when I come back to Toronto, 
um, I'm going to be like ready for my next project. That's awesome. I think that's a good note to end it on. Um, thank you so much for speaking to us. This was super cool. I'm really looking forward to following your work. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Congratulations also. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for listening. This podcast is hosted by me, Yomi John, and my co-host, Lisa Fiorilli, and it is edited by Santiago Bedoya. If you like our episodes, we would love to hear your thoughts and comments. And please subscribe. We're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Play Music. And if you want more Hustle and Thrive, check out our website at creativeworksconference.com. Join us again.